Cue and Review, celebrating 40 years of audio production, welcomes you to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, recorded from our studio in the Bishopbriggs Media Centre and by our volunteers working from home. Keep up to date with Cue and Review news via our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at Cue and Review, that's at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W or get in touch with us directly by emailing information at qreview.com that's I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M or by calling 0141-772-3976 Please like and share our podcast and give us constructive feedback. Evening Times Sport, September 26. Lennon Miller defying youngster expectations at Motherwell. Report by David Irvin. Having just turned 17, there is little wonder those at Motherwell are doing their best to keep Lennon Miller grounded. The teenager has been a standout performer for Stuart Kettlewell's side this season, and while efforts are being made to remind him of the long road to success, teammate Liam Kelly reckons there is no harm in admitting he is a brilliant talent. Miller has featured in every Motherwell fixture this season, and is racking up caps for Scotland at youth level. For Kelly, despite Miller's tender age, there are few holding midfielders better than he in Scotland. Admitted Kelly, everyone's saying how young Lennon is and trying to play it down, but it's at the point where he's just a brilliant player. Forget about his age. He's just a really good player. He's really capable of playing at the level. There are not many sitting midfielders in the country better than he. He and Harry have a brilliant partnership in front of our back line. So with his age, you just want to play down his performance and try to keep him grounded. Ultimately though, he's just a brilliant player, so there's no harm in admitting that. While Miller's meteoric rise at Motherwell may have raised a few eyebrows, Kelly insists there should be no surprise to see the Park side compete week in, week out and defy any misconceptions over being a long ball team. If you've watched us in the last few months, then I do not think you could have expected anything else, said Kelly, of Motherwell's passing style of play deployed at Ibrooks last Saturday. That gives us the best opportunity to win games. We've got loads of really technical players, so if we just start shelling balls up, hoping to land second balls and win from there, then it's not going to work. We're going to get beaten. We need to play to our strengths. Our strengths are very good technical players, solid foundation, and great structure without the ball. 
Over time, we will convert these chances into goals. So performance, really good, is something to build on. We're not happy losing games, but I think we're okay with the fact that if we keep on playing like that, then we'll win more games than we'll lose. And ahead of a daunting trip to Celtic Park this weekend, Kelly added, People say you'd rather not play well and win, but over the course of the season you'll get found out if you try and just wing it. Nobody does well just by winging it. Performance, you need to play well. You need to give yourself a good structure and a good chance in the game. And listen, Rangers won the game and they had their chances. So I'm not sitting here deluded thinking they could not have scored a couple more goals. They could have. But going to Ibrox, playing the way we did, gives us a lot of heart. However, if we lose our structure and do not perform well against Celtic this weekend, then we'll get punished. So structure well. Give ourselves a platform to win the game. Then we'll get the best chance possible. I think ultimately the most important thing for us is building. It's still early on in the manager's time here for us. We're getting better every week. All right, we should have taken something from the game last weekend. I think everybody who watched it knows that. Rangers are a really good team and they had their moments when they could have scored a couple more, as you'd expect at Ibrox. But just really proud of the players, and it's really enjoyable being part of the team just now. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport, September 26 Duncan Ferguson, new Inverness Cali manager Report by Ewan Payton Duncan Ferguson has been named the new manager of Inverness Caledonian Thistle. The championship club has revealed the former Rangers and Dundee United striker as its new head coach. The 51-year-old Ferguson replaces Billy Dodds at the helm in the Highlands after his departure following a dismal start to the campaign. It is only his second job in club management, having endured a poor short stint at Forest Green Rovers earlier this year. He tasted victory on just one of his 18 matches in charge of the then League One outfit, who suffered relegation last term. Ferguson has joined Cali Thistle on a three-year deal, and a club statement reads, the club is delighted to announce the appointment of Duncan Ferguson as the new manager of Inverness Caledonian Thistle Football Club. The Everton legend joins us on a three-year deal following an extensive recruitment process which involves some truly excellent candidates. Duncan has worked alongside some of the most respected and outstanding football coaches in the world in recent seasons and we are proud to have him join as our new manager. His professionalism, commitment and dynamic leadership skills shone through in our discussions, making him the standout candidate. Everyone at the club 
is looking forward to supporting Duncan as the hard work starts now. And we hope every Cali Jag will now get right behind him and the team in what we are sure will be a thrilling journey. Ferguson has another tough task on his hands for his second job in management. Inverness are rooted to the foot of the championship after six games with only one point on the board. Morton sit ninth on four points, while Ear United have sixth in eight points. His first game in charge will be a far cry from the Premier League grounds he was used to visiting while on Everton's coaching staff. High-flying Arbroath will welcome Cali Thistle on Saturday afternoon. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport September 26 Europe have work cut out to wrest Ryder Cup from USA. Report by Martin McMillan European Ryder Cup captain Luke Donald admits his team have their work cut out as they seek to wrest the trophy back from the United States. After a record 19-9 defeat at Whistling Straits in 2021, Donald has the unenviable task of trying to maintain the host's 30-year unbeaten record on home soil. On paper, the Americans have the superior team, with 10 of their 12 players currently in the world's top 20. And even though Europe have three of the top four, Donald is aware of the challenge which awaits in Italy. I know it's going to be a difficult few days. It really is. The USA are very strong. We know that. He said at a press conference at the Marco Simone Golf and Country Club in Rome. We're coming off our worst defeat ever in a Ryder Cup. United States players are strong, high up in the world rankings, and they have some great partnerships and have had a lot of success. We have our work cut out, but as captain, you have to be confident. I certainly have a lot of belief in my team and you have to have belief that you're going to get them into a place where they're going to be successful. Marco Simone is likely to prove a testing layout for both teams due to the weather forecast for the week. Temperatures are expected to hit 29 degrees Celsius over the three days and the undulations and big elevation changes around the course. Donald has not ruled out some of his players featuring in all five sessions, but is more confident that no one, not even rookies Ludwig Eberg, Robert McIntyre, Seb Stracker and Nikolai Hodgegaard will be left on the bench until Sunday's singles. And he added, in terms of playing five, I think there are some guys that certainly could do that and have done that in the past. This is a very tiring, taxing golf course. It's a long build-up, so I'm wary of some of that. I'll certainly be considering that, but it's not out of the question that some people might play five. 
I very much doubt that someone would not play until the Sunday singles. Unusually, Donald has opted to begin the first two days with the foursomes format and leave the four balls until the afternoon. While the Americans traditionally pick that option when it is their honour, it is the first time since 1993, the last time Europe lost on home soil, that it will be played that way on this side of the Atlantic. Said Donald, it's pretty simple really. We feel like as a team, statistically, we are stronger in foursomes within our team than we would be in four balls. Why not get off to a fast start? That's it. USA captain Zach Johnson was asked whether he had second thoughts about his captain's picks after he overlooked Bryson DeChambeau won his second live event in successive months on Sunday. Brooks Kopka is the only player from the Saudi Breakaway League to feature in the team having qualified by virtue of his performances in majors after winning the US PGA Championship and finishing second in the Masters. On Sunday, DeChambeau said it would have been nice to have a call, but Johnson has freely admitted he paid no attention to the LIV golf tour, and so the 30-year-old was never on his radar, finishing 54th, on USA's qualifying list. Said Johnson, we have a point system within the PGA of America, within the Ryder Cup USA. It's pretty evident how you garner points and which tournaments can accumulate points. What it got down to towards the end of the process, it was the top 20, the top 25 guys in that point system that I felt had the merit and should have my full attention. Johnson also confirmed there would be no morale-boosting last-minute visit from Tiger Woods, who is still recovering from ankle surgery, despite him being part of the process this year, and the 15-time major winner would be relegated to the role of cheerleader from back home. No Tiger will not be joining us in Italy, said the USA captain. He's got a lot on his plate. As far as communicating with him, we have up to this point, but he understands that now that our feet are on the ground, it's probably kind of best that we navigate this ourselves. At this point, it's more encouragement on his side, whether he's texting the guys or texting the vice captains and captains. He's there to encourage because he's very invested in what we do year in and year out with Team USA. We are going to utilise his knowledge and his wisdom, his candour and his passion the best we can. But when it comes to the week of the tournament, if you're not in on it and inside the team room, inside the ropes, shoulder to shoulder with these guys, it's not fair to ask him questions. At the same time, I don't know if that's proper, and I think he would understand completely. Report by Martin McMillan Evening Times Sport, September 26th.
Celtic star Iwata opens up on limited game time. Report by Aidan MacDonald. Celtic star Tomoki Iwata has opened up on his lack of game time so far this season, saying he hopes to seize an opportunity. The 26-year-old joined the Scottish Champions in January and played a role in the Parkhead club lifting a domestic treble last season. However, he has found his game time limited since the arrival of Brendan Rodgers, with his substitute appearance against Feyenoord recently, marking his first competitive minutes of the season. But the Japanese player is keen to fight for his place in the starting lineup. Speaking to Japanese outlet Football Zone, he said, It's going to be quite difficult, as the two players who were sent off against Feyenoord will be suspended but Carter Vickers will also be back after being out due to injury. It's unclear whether I'll be able to play on the pitch. However, I will try to appeal in training in order to seize the opportunity. By gradually increasing my chances to play in this way, and I can make the coach realise that I am a player who can bring something positive to the team. In the match against Feyenoord, Calvin Stengs, who was below the top of the opponent, was attacking us one-on-one in a fairly narrow space. I want to show that I can stop a player like that. That's my strength and it's my selling point. If I can pitch in as a midfielder, I feel I'll be able to match up with the opponent's key players more often and have more opportunities to show off. However, my strength is also that I can play a wide range of positions as a midfielder, wing-back and centre-back. During my time at Marinos, I contributed to the team by playing a variety of roles and won titles. In the same way, in the current environment, I just have to do my best every day. Report by Aidan MacDonald Evening Times Sport, September 27 Celtic closing in on Hatati Contract Extension, report by David Irvin. Celtic are reportedly close to agreeing a new contract extension with Rio Hatati. The Japanese midfielder has been in talks with the club over fresh terms, and it is claimed an agreement is close with his representatives to receive official confirmation of a new contract offer in the coming days. The Daily Mail report that talks over a new deal began two weeks ago and discussions have been positive with an agreement close. Hatati is currently under contract at Celtic until 2026 but could now extend his stay in Glasgow. The 25-year-old had reportedly halted talks during the summer transfer window after becoming unsettled amid transfer interest. However, he could now be in line to follow Lil Abada, Kyogo Furuhashi, Dazen Maeda, Callum McGregor and Anthony Ralston in committing his future to the club. And the report goes on to state that Celtic are keen on agreeing new terms with Matt O'Reilly. Meanwhile, New Inverness Caledonian Thistle boss Duncan Ferguson 
has revealed that he has spoken to Celtic manager Brendan Rodgers about the possibility of taking some players on loan. The former Everton striker has been appointed manager of the Scottish Championship Club on a three-year deal and he is hoping the hoops can help him add to his squad as the 51-year-old looks to move the Highland side off the bottom of the table. When asked if he was already looking to bring players in, Ferguson said, Yes, we can get players out of the Scottish Premiership. I have already been on to one or two of the Scottish managers. I spoke to Brendan Rogers, so he is going to help me out, hopefully. So we look and see if we can identify some players, and we will take it from there. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport, September 27 Global Interest for Marhall Golf and Spa Resort Report by Ian McConnell Mar Hall Golf and Spa Resort, which fell into administration last month and continues to trade on a business-as-usual basis, has been brought to the market by property agent Savills, which anticipates global interest. Savills noted it was acting on the instructions of the joint administrators from accountancy firm EY, in bringing the five-star hotel, golf and spa resort at Bishopton near Glasgow to market. The hotel comprises 65 hotel guest rooms and suites, two lodges, an 18-hole golf course, a formal and informal restaurant, and additional leisure, conference and banqueting accommodation. The property agent added, situated within a semi-rural location, just 10 kilometres north of Glasgow International Airport, the hotel benefits from an attractive setting on the banks of the River Clyde, in close vicinity to Loch Lomond. Dating back to 1826, Mar Hall is formed within and around a Category A listed Scottish baronial mansion house that was once home to the Earl of Mar. Trading as a five-star hotel, it hosts up to 90 weddings per annum, with income also generated by the gym, spa and golf course. Stephen Fife, director in the Hotel Capital Markets team at Seville's Scotland said, Marhall provides a fantastic opportunity to acquire a popular five-star hotel in an excellent location free from brand or market affiliation. The property also offers great asset management potential, with planning granted for a further 80 new bedrooms across 20 luxury lodges within the grounds of the 97-hectare estate. Given the hotel's stellar reputation, we anticipate a significant level of interest from a global pool of buyers. The administrators said in a statement last month, 
On August 22, 2023, Andrew Dolliver, Chris Aspin, and Luke Charlton of EY Parthenon's Turnaround and Restructuring Strategy team were appointed as joint administrators of Mar Estates Limited, trading as Mar Hall Golf and Spa Resort. Located on a 240-acre woodland estate, Mar Hall Golf and Spa Resort is a five-star luxury hotel near Glasgow employing 118 staff. The resort continues to trade on a business-as-usual basis. Existing bookings and gift vouchers remain valid. Report by Ian McConnell Evening Times Sport, September 27 Caroline confident injuries will not hold back Glasgow Warriors. Report by Stuart Bathgate Glasgow assistant coach Nido Carolan is confident that the squad will give a good account of themselves in Saturday's pre-season friendly against Zebra despite a lengthy injury list. The Warriors yesterday named a dozen players who will miss out on the Scotstone match against the Italians because of various ailments and with 16 others away on Rugby World Cup duty, the coaches will need to press some inexperienced players into service. However, Carolan believes that will be no bad thing, and is confident that in general the squad is in a good place. He said, We're happy to play some young guys. I've been really impressed this year with a lot of the academy guys. So right now, if there was a group of them getting out onto the pitch on Saturday night, I would be really excited. The lads came back from their extended break in fantastic physical condition and really rested mentally and emotionally. Inevitably, when you start to ramp things up, there's going to be a couple of injuries here and there, but overall the squad's in a great state. We're ready to play now. Of the 12 players named yesterday, only Hooker Fraser-Brown and Locke J.P. Dupres are longer-term concerns. The others who will miss the Zebra match, and in some cases next week's away game against Ulster, are forwards Alan Dell, Thomas Gordon, Ollie Cable, Sintu Mangesi, Enrique Pierotto and Murphy Walker and backs Sean Kennedy, Stafford McDowell, Josh Mackay and Logan Trotter. With Richie Gray and Scott Cummings away with Scotland and both the Dupres and Mangesi out of action, the second row is the main concern for the coaches. However, Scotland under-21 internationals Alex Samuel and Max Williamson are more than ready to take over, according to Carolan. He admitted, does it leave us light? A little bit for now. But Alex and Max have been tremendous. Alex is calling lineouts and has matured as a rugby player while Max got good exposure with Doncaster last season 
and is a lot more battle-hardened coming into us this year, and we'll get some short-term cover if we need it. Meanwhile, Edinburgh have named seven players who will miss both of their pre-season friendlies at home to Connacht on Friday, then against Bath a week later through injury. Forwards Luan de Bruyne, Dave Cherry, Ben Muncaster and Marshall Sykes are all sidelined, along with backs James Lang, Harry Patterson and Tim Sweel. Report by Stuart Bathgate. Evening Time Sport September 27 Eberg hopes Europe can channel the spirit of Medina in Rome. Ludwig Eberg hopes Europe can channel the spirit of Medina as they bid to reclaim the Ryder Cup in Rome this week. The Continental team crashed to a record 19-9 loss to the United States when the event was held last two years ago. Eberg is one of four European rookies in a fresh-looking European side bidding for revenge in the Italian capital. The 23-year-old Swede, who has made a meteoric rise since turning professional in June, took inspiration as a youngster from Europe's famous fight back in 2012 and hopes that energy can be replicated. Eberg said, The one that sticks out in my memory is 2012. Hopefully we will be able to do something similar this week and hopefully we will be able to inspire other kids growing up and other people coming after us. It's a really cool environment to be in and we are trying to write our own chapter. Another relative newcomer in the European team is Victor Hovland who is making his second appearance after featuring in the defeat at Whistling Straits in 2021. The Norwegian feels the motivation to win among the group is high, fueled by pride in the continent and not, as it may have been in the past, by any animosity between them and the Americans. He said, I cannot speak for the guys that played in the past, but it seems that we probably hate each other less than guys used to in the past. Hate is a big motivator to do well. That's just a fact. But I think where we are now, we are more motivated maybe to win for our country and continent. We want to win for Europe. Obviously, we want to beat the Americans, but it's not because we hate the other team. It's because we love Europe and we want to do well for the people that support us. One European player could even be said to have a foot in both camps. Austria's 30-year-old Sepp Straka has lived in the United States since he was 14 and his mother is American. However, he insists everyone in his family is personally rooting for him at Marco Simone this week. Straka, another deputant, said, I think they are all Team Europe. Even my mum, who's American, has been wearing an Austria hat. 
She is 100% American, but she spent 24 years in Austria. She's fallen in love with the country, and I think she's probably just as Austrian as a lot of Austrians. Evening Times Sport, September 27. Lambert says, Celtic star, better goal scorer than me. Report by Aidan MacDonald. Celtic hero Paul Lambert insists David Turnbull is a better goal scorer than he was and that the playmaker gives the hoops something different in midfield. The former Champions League winner feels the 24-year-old is a quality player to have in the squad and he backs the Scotland international to play an important role for the Parkhead side this season. Speaking to the Daily Record, he said, David's a far better goal scorer than I was from the middle of the park. He's got one over on me in that respect. I've always thought David has goals in him, and having a goal threat from midfield is always a real asset to any team. He is different from most of the Celtic midfielders in that respect. Callum McGregor and Rio Hatati, for example, have very different roles to play and don't go beyond as much to the on the end of things. But that's Turnbull's game. He can shoot from distance, he can arrive in the box, and he's always looking to get a shot away. So while he's not the type who will spread the ball around, and dictate the tempo, he will get you a goal without a doubt. Report by Aidan MacDonald Evening Times Sport, September 27 Scotland 1, Belgium 1 Sophie Howard rescues draw at Hamden Report by Alison McConnell Sophie Howard ensured that Scotland left Hamden on a positive note after she netted a dramatic leveller in the dying seconds of the UEFA Nations League tie against Belgium. It cancelled out Cassandra Misipo's opener, although the midfielder may not find the warmest of welcomes should she return to Glasgow any time soon. Certainly, Pedro Martinez Losa was still irked after the game, after he lost Caroline Weir after just 20 minutes, a move that he felt had been a deliberate ploy by the Belgium international. First of all, I am very angry, said the impeccably polite Spaniard, who was cautioned by the official. We had an injury to our best player, and the deliberate part of that was very important. Standards at this stage are at a high level. We were punished the other day. The referee was not aware of what was going on with Weir and with Kirsty Hansen, and I don't think she was properly looking. When I was booked, I was telling her that there were two or three tackles when she was following the ball, but contact was arriving intentionally. The tackles were arriving late but she is not seeing it because she is following the ball. I had to do something. I cannot not let her know. I tried to talk to the fourth official too, 
but she was not interested. I was insisting, and she showed me a yellow cart, but I had to remind her. We were without one of our best players, and that for me was very frustrating. We don't know yet what the injury is, but Caroline clearly could not play on. I was told that it was her knee, but it was a knock from the other player. From the beginning, the doctor was saying she probably could not play on, but she was determined to try. Given how instrumental Weir had been in the early exchanges, setting up a corner, teeing up Kirsty Hansen, and generally running the show in the middle of the park, it was a clear frustration for Martinez Losa to lose her. Scotland has started brightly with Claire Emsley, Kirsty Hansen, and Christy Grimshaw all making themselves known, but to their credit, they were able to sustain their early endeavours with Amy Rogers coming in as Weir's replacement. For all their dominance and chances in the opening period, Scotland might have been undone when Belgium screamed for a penalty when the ball seemed to brush the arm of Captain Rachel Corsi. If the lack of VAR was a curse on Friday night, it may well have been a blessing inside Hamden. It would have been harsh on Scotland, though. Grimshaw almost turned the chance into a tangible lead when she forced Everard into an excellent one-handed stop as she palmed a header that looked destined for the bottom right-hand corner around the post. There was the unusual sight of the impeccably mannered Martinez Loza going into the book after his frustrations got the better of him, as Scotland toiled to find a way through. As Misipo netted with a goal that undermined Scotland's good work and revealed that soft centre that still plagues them, there was a palpable frustration on the bench. Howard had allowed Misipo to run in and convert at the back post a cheap goal to lose. She atoned in the dying stages of the game. Goalkeeper Lee Gibson, on her 50th Scotland appearance, had sent a dipping ball into the box that Howard got on the end of to atone for her part in the opener. It was no less than Scotland deserved. Said Martinez Loza, I am very proud of the team. I think the way we played, we deserved more from the game. We were aware we had a very difficult opponent. They compete very well with a game plan and were very good at executing it as we could see. I think we created many chances. We knew at half time that we had to stay in the game and I think we deserved the point. We had many chances. I think they had won. Report by Alison McConnell Evening Times Sport September 29 Celtic receive Champions League boost. Report by Mark Walker Italy international Alessio Romagnoli looks set to miss Lazio's Champions League showdown at Celtic next week after suffering a broken nose. The former AC Milan defender 
is a key man for Maurizio Sarri's side and played in Lazio's return to winning ways in midweek when they beat Torino 2-0. But he suffered a clash of heads during the game and although he played on for the 90 minutes, he had to get treatment afterwards and Lazio have now confirmed the 13 times capped Italian international suffered a broken nose. They stated, the medical staff communicates that he underwent clinical and instrumental tests at hospital. The tests highlighted a compound fracture of the nasal bones caused by a trauma sustained during the match. The player has already started specific treatment and will be subjected to daily clinical monitoring. He will definitely miss Lazio's weekend clash against AC Milan and is expected to be out for the following games against Celtic and Atalanta. Report by Mark Walker Evening Times Sport, September 29 Matt O'Reilly Contract Update Report by Aidan MacDonald Brendan Rodgers has opened up on transfer interest in Celtic midfielder Matt O'Reilly and also given an update on the Danes' contractual situation. The Scottish champions rejected a £10 million bid from English champions side Leeds United over the summer and Rodgers made clear he is keen to keep the 22-year-old for as long as possible. When asked about interest from down south, he said, It was an open conversation, and that's what I've always had here with Michael Nicholson and the guys. I didn't think we could afford to lose another starter, and the club were very supportive on that. They were great. We had obviously lost Carol Starfelt and lost Jota, and we knew Cameron Carter Vickers was going to be out for a while. I didn't feel we could lose another one. But of course, that's all on the player as well. If the player really wants to move, then I'm also a believer that if he doesn't want to be here, then don't be here. I've got experience of that where you think you can keep them for another year, but they're not the same player if they really want to go. I never got that feeling at all from Matt. He is investing his time in development. He could have left here. With the greatest respect, he could have earned significantly more money by leaving. But that is not everything for him. Rogers went on to detail how much he is enjoying working with O'Reilly and that he would like the player to sign a new deal at Parkhead. And he continued... Matt knows that I'm investing in him to help him become better. He still knows he's got a bit to improve. And hopefully this part of the season is confirmation for him that I can still improve him. Certainly, his value will increase in 12 months' time. Of course we would love to keep him here, and he still has a lot of development to go but he is showing some great signs. He has a wonderful attitude and is ambitious, but ambitious for Celtic as well as himself. If we can tie him down for longer, 
then all the better, of course. Report by Aidan MacDonald Evening Times Sport, September 29 Hearts fans banners not helping Tynecastle cause. Report by Ewan Payton Ryan Stevenson insists banners held aloft by Hearts fans are not helping Stephen Naismith's cause. The former Tynecastle striker says he understands the frustrations of supporters after a stop-start campaign to date under the new management team. After a confusing beginning, Naismith is now undisputably the head coach of the team, while Frankie McAvoy and Gordon Forrest are on the backroom staff. Results have been up and down. The last two weeks has exemplified that with beating Aberdeen, then going down with a whimper against St Myrne, before snatching victory over Kilmarnock in the cup in the dying seconds. Stevenson now wants to see his old club go on a winning run to help put some of the unrest in the stands to bed. He wrote in the Daily Record, Remember where we are, how far we've come, and where we've come from. That's my response to the banner Hearts fans unfurled in Ayrshire on Tuesday. Funded by fans, run by clowns, we deserve better. Their frustrations are understandable, but as a club we are miles and miles away from where we were. The passion and all of the rest of it that supporters have for the team can reach the stage that they want to turn their wrath on the board, coaching staff and management. But while there have been mistakes made, we all make them. I just do not think these types of banners are the right way to go about things or the right way to be. Calling for boards and managers to be sacked and calling people clowns is not for me. Let's focus on a win over Kilmarnock. Getting through any cup tie has been the same thing since day dot. It's about winning the game. And as they say in golf, there's no pictures on your scorecard. Stephen Naismith said he was more pleased by the performance than the result, but I'm doubtful that's really true. All that mattered on Tuesday night was the result. It was all about getting to a semi-final at Hamden, and now they have a semi-final against Rangers to look forward to. Nobody will remember the details of beating Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. It was always about getting a win. That said, there's nothing better than a 90th minute winner, and I was delighted for young Alex Lowry, who scored it. I was at the Aberdeen game, which Hearts won recently. The Dons are a decent side, but the Jambos were worthy winners, and then they went to St Myrne, and it was the same old, same old, where they never turned up. It's now about backing up the Killy result. It can't be one win, one lose, draw one, lose one, which has been the story of the season so far. Hearts need to be so much better than that, and I know Naismith will be scratching his head, wondering how they can do so well against Aberdeen, then be so poor in Paisley, 
and now it's into a semi-final. All of the recent unrest, all of the noise from the support and disenchantment over his appointment will now be hushed if he can answer the biggest question. Can Hearts now go on and kick on for the remainder of this season? It will go one of two ways. Either Tuesday was the catalyst for something far, far better, or it will become a run-of-the-mill campaign where they end up without a trophy and finishing nowhere in fifth or sixth spot on the Premiership table. I also don't believe one cup win will turn the noise down, and it's because the fans have been used to watching their team take one step forward and one step back. That lack of consistency needs to be addressed, and Hearts now have to go on a decent winning run. There has to be four or five decent results strung together, and things need to start motoring on the park, and that will quell the unrest of it. If it's a case of win a game and then lose a game, then the clouds hanging over the manager are always going to be there. The priority has to be finishing third in the league, and that can only be achieved by consistency. That is just a fact. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, September 29 Nick Rogers says, Talking stops as Ryder Cup finally swings into action. As you probably know, Rome was not built in a day. The build-up to a Ryder Cup, meanwhile, clatters, rattles and bangs on just as long. In the Eternal City, the previews, the ponderings and the posturings have been going on, well, for an eternity. There's a tireless correspondent perched next to yours truly in the media centre who regularly churns out the kind of vast columns you'd get at the Pantheon. There will be tourists coming to gawp in wonder at his laptop before you know it. All manner of experts, analysts and soothsayers have been drafted in to offer opinion and insight, while great bucket loads of statistics, algorithms, facts, figures and historical data have been tossed into a Ryder Cup predictograph, a cutting-edge contraption of clanking pistons, rumbling pulleys and burling cogs, and potential scorelines have been spewed out amid billowing chuff-chuffs of steam. I'm getting slightly carried away here, but you get the general idea. As somebody once said, when it's all said and done, that's when the talking has to stop. So, at last, here we are. The 40th Ryder Cup is finally swinging into action. Two years ago at Whistling Straits, the scene was one of wildly contrasting fortunes and emotions. The USA, having doled out a dreadful 199 thumping to their shell-shocked guests from across the pond, had never looked more buoyant with eager chatter of Ryder Cup domination for years to come. Europe, on the other hand, had rarely felt more bereft. Here in 2023, though, there's talk of Europe being favourites in a changing landscape. Since the last meeting, a total of eight players from that tussle have defected to the LIV series. 
Brooks Kopka, who won the PGA Championship and was second in the Masters, is the only rebel to return, having earned a captain's pick for the United States. Dustin Johnson, who won five out of five at Whistling Straits, is nowhere to be seen. Nevertheless, the visiting team can still boast three of this year's major winners, six of the world's top ten, and all 12 players ranked inside the top 25. As for Europe, well, they lost bags of experience. Sergio Garcia, for instance, is absent for the first time since 1997. They also lost a Swedish captain in Henrik Stenson. In Ludwig Eberg, though, they gained a Swedish superstar. The young rookie has been the talk of the steamy of late. His European Masters win clinched his wildcard pick, as Europe's golfers seemed to hog the golfing limelight. The Americans, meanwhile, have, by and large, retreated to the sidelines for the past month. Only Kopka, Justin Thomas and Max Homer have actually played competitively in September. Too lightly raced or perfectly primed, we will see. Here at Marco Simone, the stage is set for an intriguing joust. In searing heat, which has led to this scribe tying an unprecedented fifth knot in the handkerchief that's plonked on my head. This undulating, demanding layout will provide a physical test as much as an examination of technical prowess. History abounds over this grand expanse of golfing terrain in the Roman countryside. The astronomer Galileo used to live in the castle that stands here, while there are remains of fossils dating back 300,000 years in the catacombs. Talking of ancient relics, the footage of a USA team actually winning the Ryder Cup on European soil just about needs to be carefully preserved by a gloved museum curator. Thirty years have now passed since Tom Watson's side won at the Belfry in 1993. Interestingly, Luke Donald, the home skipper, has opted for an opening session of foursomes, the first time that has happened in a Ryder Cup on European soil since that reversal in 93. As a desperate omen, those of an American persuasion may cling to that like a barnacle on a ship's hull. Then again, who needs omens? We have so many guys that have not played a foreign Ryder Cup, said the United States Open champion Wyndham Clark. I think that ignorance is bliss, in my opinion. Zach Johnson's message to his team is clear. This will be an opportunity of a lifetime, said the US captain of the quest to end the away day blues. Donald's is just as simple. This is your time, he said to his players. As for all and sundry, who have been patiently awaiting the opening exchanges after weeks of relentless hype, about blooming time, let battle commence, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, September 29.
Rangers Livingston drama sparks rugby audio VAR demand. Report by Ewan Payton. Mark Wilson reckons VAR could do with the same transparency provided as TMO in rugby. The pundit has suggested that the audio communication broadcast between rugby referees and the television match officials would be a good way of eliminating some controversies surrounding video technology in football. Wilson believes Scottish football has a concerning issue when it comes to the standard of officiating. It comes after Rangers' opening goal against Livingston in the Viaplay Cup on Wednesday night. The match ended 4-0 to Michael Beale's side, but the first goal of the match has sparked widespread debate. Abdallah Sima appeared to push Livingston's Jamie Brandon to the deck as he attempted to win the ball on the left flank. After the attacker broke free of the defender, the on-loan Brighton player went on to score with a terrific finish from a tight angle. Willie Collum did not award a foul for the incident, while VAR opted not to get involved. Since the game, while Rangers were worthy winners and rightly progressed to the semi-finals of the League Cup, the general consensus has been that there was a foul in the build-up to that goal. Speaking on Clyde One Superboard, Wilson responded to a caller who suggested supporters should be allowed the opportunity to listen to the officials' rationale behind their decision-making. The former Celtic defender said, I don't think you'll find many people out there who think it was not a free kick. It's as clear as you could see. It is concerning that something as obvious as that is not picked up with the amount of officials on the field and VAR to review it. For clarity, I love the idea of audio from the VAR truck. Host Gordon Duncan came in. If you get to hear a clip of the referee suggesting Column can stand by the decision, would that satisfy you? Wilson added, It would allow me to think with a clear head that those officials were not fit for their job. But because I do not know what that conversation consisted of, I've no idea if Willie Column overruled it or it was looked at. If every one of them said, It's not a foul, We've got bigger problems in our game, and that would clarify that. Other decisions, I think it would clear things up for the football fan and give maybe a better understanding the tough job referees have got. Wednesday night's decision, I'd look and think we've got a problem. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, October 2. Hamish Watson sets sight on island. Report by David Barnes. Whenever Hamish Watson hangs up his boots, he will be able to look back with justified pride at a long and distinguished playing career that attracted wide-reaching recognition 
including a Six Nations Player of the Tournament award and selection to the British and Ireland Lions Tour to South Africa with a test appearance later that same year. But the 31-year-old is not ready to call it quits yet, and on Saturday night against Romania, he served notice to Rory Darge, eight years younger, and first choice number seven for the opening two games of the World Cup campaign, that there is life in the old dog yet. The veteran flanker ran in the first of Scotland's 12 tries in an 84 to nothing demolition of the not-so-mighty Mighty Oaks and had several other powerful carries during the opening quarter which helped set the tone for that emphatic victory. He was eventually replaced by Darge on 65 minutes having carried the ball 16 times in total, more than any other forward on the park, with head coach Gregor Townsend acknowledging post-match that the veteran Fanker had made a strong case for inclusion in the matchday squad for next Saturday's do-or-die clash against Ireland in Paris, when the frontliners, who were rested against Romania, will all come back into the mix. Scotland must not only beat Ireland, but also match them in the number of bonus points, losing and or four tries, claimed from the match in order to progress to the World Cup knockout stages for the first time since 2015. It was nice to be back out there, It seems like it's been forever since my last game. I've had to wait eight weeks, I think, was Watson's own post-match response. It's not always easy when you make a lot of changes to the team, but the boys who came in did well. It puts us in a good position for next week. I managed to get myself into some good carrying slots early in the game. It was important just to try and get my hands on the ball early on. After missing out on selection to John Hardy for the 2015 tournament at the start of his international career and then managing just 37 minutes of the opening game of the 2019 campaign before suffering a knee injury, Watson will view World Cups as one area where he has unfinished business and a place in the matchday squad for next weekend would go a long way to filling that gap in his CV. Added Watson, it's just nice to actually play a full part in a game and come off unscathed compared to what happened four years ago. It's been a different role for me in the past few weeks, helping the boys prepare for games. I'm obviously not really used to that, and it has been tough. But I feel I've now at least put myself forward into the conversation about selection. We'll see what the coaches do. It's obviously a massive game for us. I think it was 2017, the last time we beat Ireland. So not many boys in this squad would have been around back then. Credit to them. They're a good team and really tough to beat. And we're playing them when they're at their best as well. They've won 16 games in a row 
and they obviously look great against South Africa. But that's probably the way we prefer it as underdogs, being written off and needing to win by eight points or more. This is going to be a really good week leading into a massive game for the whole country. Hugh Jones, Finn Russell, Ali Price, Xander Fagerson and Richie Gray are the only other survivors in the current squad from that 2017 game. Meanwhile, the most painful of Scotland's eight consecutive defeats to Ireland since then was undoubtedly the opening game of the last World Cup when Watson suffered that knee injury and the team endured a morale-crushing 27-3 loss on their way to plummeting out of the tournament at the end of the pool phase. But Watson insists that the squad is better equipped now to face the challenge of taking on a rampant island than they were four years ago. And he reasoned, There's a lot of continuity at the moment. We have been building really well. I think the squad as a whole is a lot tighter and in a lot better place. I know we say we're a close-knit group quite a lot, but it is true. Everyone who gets selected doesn't take it lightly. It feels like we've got some good momentum leading into what's going to be a massive game for us against the best team in the world. Of course, it is not necessarily going to be a straight shootout between Watson and Darge for the number seven jersey. Captain and blindside flanker Jamie Ritchie suffered a concussion against Tonga eight days ago and will only complete his return to play protocols this coming Friday if there are no hiccups. The Scotland management team believe he is making good progress, but if Ritchie does not make it, then that could open the door for both Watson and Darge being involved in the match day 23. Report by David Barnes Evening Times Sport, October 2 Michael Beale breaks Rangers silence. Report by Aidan Smith Michael Beale has broken his Rangers silence after being sacked by the Ibrox Club last night. The Englishman was relieved of his duties with club legend Stephen Davis now in temporary charge. Calls for Beale's departure increased following the 3-1 defeat by Aberdeen at Ibrox on Saturday with the players again booed off the park. A third loss in seven Premiership fixtures left the light blues seven points behind leaders Celtic and with their title hopes already in jeopardy. Reacting to his dismissal, Beale took to Instagram and wrote, Thank you, Rangers, to everyone behind the scenes at the training ground and Ibrox to the board, staff, fans and all the players. I will always follow and support the club from afar and wish you every success. Now is the time for everyone to unite fully behind Stephen Davis and the team in the coming days. There is still so much to play for this season and I have a strong belief in this group of players. Thank you and good luck. Even Tynes Sport, October 2, 
Kevin Muscat makes Rangers decision. Report by Aidan Smith. Kevin Muscat is keen to speak to Rangers over the vacant Ibrox managerial position, according to reports. The Light Blues are looking to replace Michael Beale after the Englishman was dismissed last night following a string of poor results. Muscat is now the favourite with the bookies to become the next permanent manager of Rangers and TalkSport reports that he is looking to speak to the club about the vacancy. Muscat, who has been linked with the job in the past, is the current favourite at 10-3. He is in charge of Yokohama F Marinas, Ange Postecoglou's former side. Evening Time Sport, October 2 Oban rookie Robert McIntyre, Toast Ryder Cup Success Report by Nick Roger The champagne was not on ice. It was all over Robert McIntyre. Amid giddy scenes of jubilant cork popping at Marco Simone, the Oban rookie was left absolutely drenched in the sparkly stuff. The Druthy golf writers were almost tempted to try to wring his sodden shirt into a glass and have a gargle of her own to toast a job well down. I might not wash this, beamed a Druthy McIntyre as he appeared for a post-Ryder Cup chinwag while celebrations roared on around him. It had been a thrilling day for Team Europe. It was probably going to be quite a night too, by the looks of it. For McIntyre, the first Scot to play in a Ryder Cup since Stephen Gallagher in 2014, the week as a whole will never be forgotten. A terrific 2-1 singles win in the anchor match with the reigning United States Open champion Wyndham Clark put the cherry on the cake as the Europeans eased to a famous 16.5-11.5 victory. McIntyre left Marco Simone undefeated, having picked up 2.5 points from his three matches. He was one of only three players from either side to boast such a record. By his own admission, McIntyre played a bit-part role during his first four balls outing with Justin Rose on Friday as the Englishman almost single-handedly dragged the pair to a half-point against Clark and Max Homer. The Ryder Cup is a team game, though, and the 27-year-old earned his stripes over the weekend as he upped the ante and made his mark. For the wider McIntyre clan, all roads from Oban had led to Rome. Once again, their talented young son, had made them proud. I've only seen my dad in tears a few times, and that's been for serious reasons, said McIntyre. When I finished my match on 17, I saw he had a tear in his eye. My mum and dad have given me everything in life. My dad did not have opportunities that I have had, and he worked so many jobs to give me the chance. This means everything. Europe's golfing union has always been strong, 
the one for all and all for one spirit of the Ryder Cup, meanwhile, has been right up McIntyre Street. He added, what a bond it is with the guys. When I made the team, that was just half the battle. The main thing was to win the Ryder Cup, and we've done it. Along with the four other rookies, I was an outsider. We didn't really know the top boys properly, but they welcomed us with open arms. Right from the start, they talked about no one being above anyone. Yes, there are guys you look up as mentors, who are the top dogs like Rory McIlroy, John Ram and Justin Rose, but we are all equal. The whole spirit has been like a big family. McIntyre certainly demonstrated plenty of spirit as he staved off the advances of major champion Clark with a polished display. It wasn't all plain sailing, of course. He missed a tiddler on the 14th as Clark fought back from three down after five to level the match just as affairs elsewhere were becoming a bit nervy. I missed the wee one on 14, but I reminded myself that I won the Italian Open here last year when I missed the exact same putt, said McIntyre, after keeping the heed when it may have been easy to lose it amid the building tension. I've been there, done it and got the t-shirt. I just had to knuckle down. There was a point as the United States were rallying when it looked like McIntyre might be needed to drag Europe over the line as they scrambled for the elusive half point. I'm not sure if I would have relished that role, chuckled McIntyre, of the prospect of bringing it all home. Thankfully, Europe did get home and hosed before McIntyre closed out his own win. I was talking with Shane Lowry and Tommy Fleetwood in the locker room before we came out for our matches, he said. We were saying, surely this doesn't come down to us. But as I'm watching it unfold on the course, I'm thinking, this is coming close, this is coming close. I was cruising early on, and then I was in a dogfight. But match play is my game, and I fight like a dog. The champagne was richly deserved, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, October 2. Tense moments, but dominant Europe got there in the end, reports Nick Roger. They got there in the end. During an increasingly tense, nail-nibbling afternoon, at Marco Simone, Team Europe seemed to be stuck on the 14-point mark for so long, the scoreboards displaying the state of affairs in the 44th Ryder Cup were starting to gather a light covering of Stuer. The search for that half-point to push them over the winning line almost became as extensive as an excavation in a site of great historical significance in Rome Toon Centre. It arrived eventually. Ricky Fowler's generous concession to Tommy Fleetwood on the 16th, would you have given it, left the Englishman two up with two to play and with a guaranteed half point in his pocket. 
the celebrations could begin, even though the match would go on. Fleetwood would eventually win 3-1. After the raucous, rancorous scenes of Saturday night, Fowler's signal to Fleetwood to pick his marker up on that 16th hole was an admirable nod to the honourable golfing spirit. Europe's overall margin of victory was 16.5 to 11.5. It was a seventh straight success on home soil and an eighth in the last 11 stagings overall. The USA's drought on this side of the pond, which stretches back to 1993, goes on. Even the record books are becoming parched. The Americans, who had been on the back foot all weekend after that demoralising first day, mounted a spirited defiant cavalry charge on Sunday and gave those of the European persuasion plenty of heebie-jeebies as things got decidedly tight. It was stressful, gasped the European skipper Luke Donald, whose methodical, meticulous approach has paid mighty dividends. At one point I was looking at the boat, wondering how we get to 14 and a half points. Ultimately, the daunting five-point deficit the visitors had to overcome proved insurmountable. They needed a miracle, but miracles don't come around too often. After thumping Europe 19-9 in 2021 and sparking bold, confident predictions of dominance for years to come, the United States inquests, post-mortems and raking of coals will roar on. For Europe there were cheers and tears as emotional outpourings flowed like wine at an emperor's banquet. This was a true team effort. Donald added, The walloping at Whistle Straits had been avenged in style. Not many people gave us a chance, especially two years ago. We proved them wrong. Saturday night's stormy shenanigans and stooshes, Rory McIlroy had been involved in heated exchanges with United States caddy Joe LaCava, if you've been hiding in a crypt for a weekend, had garnished the tussle with great dollops of spice. The late United States rally on Saturday had given the visitors fresh purpose. The controversy, meanwhile, had given Europe added passion. They were already in a strong position. It gave the whole team a bit of fire in our bellies, said McElroy, who won four out of his five matches in a talismanic role and swatted aside Sam Burns three and one. With Europe requiring just four points from 12 matches to seize the cup back, the Americans needed to be out of the traps like a whippet. In the early stages, though, it was European blue on the board. Zach Johnson, the United States skipper and a stout man of the church, must have been tempted to turn the air blue as he surveyed the scene. The brilliant Victor Hovland inched Europe towards their goal with a 4-3 win over Colin Morikawa. The top match 
a prize fight between heavyweights John Ram and Scottish Scheffler took on huge importance as it ebbed and flowed. Scheffler, one up with two to play, had a chance to deliver a knockout blow on the 17th, but his birdie putt to win stayed up. The world number one then got into trouble playing the last, and when Ram cozied a vast putt from over 80 feet to gimme distance, it was enough to win the hole and grab a highly valuable half. McElroy and Hatton added to the European tally, but the United States were not lying down. Patrick Cantley beat Justin Rose, while the lower order was swinging in America's favour. Justin Thomas, Brooks Kopka and Xander Schofel all plundered points, while the excellent Max Homer held on to a one-hole win against Matt Fitzpatrick on the last despite taking a penalty drop for an unplayable lie. It was all still in the balance, but Fowler's trip into the water and concession to Fleetwood finally took Europe to the promised land. Scotland's Robert McIntyre, in the anchor match with the United States Open champion Wyndham Clark, could breathe easy, and he tidied up a fine 2-1 win to gild the lily. In Rome, Team Europe came, they saw, they conquered, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, October 2. Sebastian on dark time out of rugby. Report by David Barnes. Whenever the grind of trying to prove his fitness over the summer so as to earn selection for Scotland's World Cup squad felt like it was getting to be too much, Javan Sebastian was able to look back at the short spell he took out of professional rugby back in 2016 and remind himself of how glad he really is to be earning a crust, working on a training pitch or in a gym rather than in a windowless butchery in South Wales, picking chunks of meat off a conveyor belt. It is hard and glamorous work at the pit face of the scrum, but the Welsh-reared front rower, who came through the Scarlet's Academy and had a short spell on the fringes of the Glasgow Warriors squad in his younger days, has seen enough of the real world to not be phased by that challenge. Working in a butchery was a really dark time, reflected the former Wales under 16 and under 18 cap. It was after I left Glasgow, having been there for a year, I went back home to Wales to have my firstborn. I took a year out of rugby and didn't really end up having a job. So I applied to be a butcher and started to play semi-pro. I worked at the butchers for about two months. I couldn't hack it any longer than that. It was not a nice place. That was back in 2016, and I thought my professional rugby career was pretty much over. But I discovered normal life wasn't for me, so I thought I would try to play rugby again. Sebastian was getting his rugby fix at that time, 
playing for Carmarthen Quinns in the Welsh Premiership, and that was hardly light relief from the day job. He explained, playing semi-pro in Wales is also pretty dark. You go to places like Neath, cross keys away, when it's raining, it's seven o'clock at night, and the pitches are deep in mud. But the coaches at the time, Craig Evans and Richard Kelly, really pushed me on to try and go for more than what I was doing at that time. They helped me open my eyes to what I could potentially do. Being a butcher or in any other normal job is quite tough. I'm not saying that being a rugby player isn't tough, but the real world is scary. Sebastian's second bite at the rugby cherry came when he reconnected with Scarlett's in 2017, and he was a surprise call-up to Gregor Townsend's squad for the summer tour to Romania and Georgia in 2021, before that expedition was called off before departure due to COVID. His first cap eventually arrived as a replacement against Japan the following autumn, and he'd added two more substitute appearances to his rugby CV by the time he was named in Scotland's World Cup training squad at the start of the summer. He was initially considered a long shot to make the final 33 for France, but impressed the coaching staff with his work rate in training over the summer before sealing his selection as the third tight-head squad in the squad, behind Xander Fagerson and W.P. Nell, and ahead of Murphy Walker, with a series of powerful performances off the bench in Scotland's warm-up matches. Sebastian explained, I was born in England, but moved to Wales when I was two with my mum and our family. My dad, Eddie, is from Edinburgh, and he stayed there when he and my mum separated. I signed an academy contract with Scarlet's and was there for a couple of years, but did not get offered a pro contract. Then Glasgow came in and I signed for them back in 2015 on a dual contract, but I didn't actually play any pro rugby for them either. I spent most of that season with Ayr, which was enjoyable. I loved it, but I always knew there was more in me. The biggest driver for me in my rugby career has been my family. I've got four kids, so I wanted to push for places just for them and my partner to make them proud. It's been a roller coaster with ups and downs. I had a season out, started every game for one season, then propelled from there. I just think you've got to take it week by week, train as hard as you can in every session, and hopefully that's enough by the time the weekend comes to win selection. If not, you carry on going and try to do the best you can for the team. I was a bit overwhelmed when Gregor told me I was going to be starting tight head this week. We've all trained really hard and put our hands up for selection since the start of the camp, so I'm chuffed. Sebastian will move clubs after this World Cup from Scarlets to Edinburgh and believes that will help him push further up the Scotland pecking order. He reasoned, 
It's just another step on the journey where I want to project onto the next level. Edinburgh have a strong pack, so trying to play some expansive rugby within that pack will benefit me. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Review and to tell your friends about our service.